Welcome to the Beyond Fitness Podcast. This is your host, Cade Howell, and I just want to say thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the show. All right, guys, hope you're having an awesome day so far. So today we have a solo podcast where we're going over supplements, believe it or not, which I, I tend to err towards not talking about supplements very much on the podcast because they're, they're definitely something that they have a lot of hype. A lot of people like hearing about like the best supplements out there that are going to help them build muscle and lose fat. And while there are some supplements that are definitely they can supplement your progress, you know, believe it or not, that's that's what they're for is supplementing your progress, not making or breaking your progress. I just find that most supplements are either not effective, not backed by research, or way overhyped. Um, but we are going to go over five of the most commonly um, beneficial supplements that I see out there that a lot of people would benefit from taking these five supplements. I personally take all five of these among a couple others that are a little bit more specific to me and my situation. Um, like I take magnesium and stuff before bed. I take zinc in the morning, but again, that's, I'm not throwing out recommendations. Take that, take all of this, this entire episode with a grain of salt, because this is not me saying you should take these five supplements. It all comes down to your situation, where you're at with things. And if these supplements would be beneficial for you, especially the last two that we go over in this episode. So anyways, guys, hope you guys enjoy this episode and learn a thing or two about supplements and enjoy. All right. So first up on the list of supplements that could be beneficial is protein powder. And as you know, protein is very important, not for just building muscle, but also fat loss. And to be fair, I can, I don't really consider protein powder a supplement. Like when I take it, I'm not like, Oh, I'm taking a supplement. I personally see it as more of like a food source that said it is technically considered a supplement because it's protein powder that is supplementing your regular protein intake and that's exactly how it should be used there's there's really nothing magical about taking protein or drinking whey or casein protein or plant-based protein it's not like there's anything magically muscle building about drinking that in itself it's more so the fact that if you're having a hard time hitting your protein intake supplementing with additional protein through a powder can be very helpful in making sure you're consuming enough protein to be able to build muscle at an optimal rate. And like I said earlier, it's not just for fat loss or just for building muscle, it's for fat loss as well. Now that said, with with protein powder, you do have to be a little bit careful because it's not going to be quite as filling if you have, you know, 25 grams of protein from a scoop of protein powder compared to 25 grams of protein from chicken breast. So that's the one caveat there. But protein is very helpful when it comes to fat loss in the sense that it is the most satiating out of all macronutrients. Again, with the powder, it's a little bit different there, but it also burns the most calories through digestion. Again, that's a little bit different here where it's already... Um, fairly processed it's a little bit easier for your body to digest but the biggest thing is it just helps with muscle gain and muscle retention which helps keep your metabolism in healthy spots so again using protein powder just as needed to help reach your ideal protein target which for most people is going to be right around 0.8 to 1.2 grams per pound of 
your body weight, depending on your goal, how realistic it is for you, etc. So that's the first supplement, nothing fancy there, protein powder, just a good old um, way to increase your protein intake. Number two is getting a little bit more into the fancy supplements. This one shouldn't be too surprising. We have creatine on the list. So this is one of the safest, most effective, and most well-researched supplements on the market. And it's been shown to increase muscle size, muscle strength, and muscle hydration, and even provide cognition uh, benefits. So that said, it is still a supplement, meaning it's not going to make or break your progress, but rather supplement it, believe it or not. So without getting into the weeds too much with what creatine actually does, um, so creatine is already in your body, in your body right now you have creatine in your body and it essentially just helps your body recycle something called atp which if you paid attention at all in biology class you might remember atp Uh, but atp essentially provides energy at a cellular level Um, so how creatine essentially recycles atp is once atp is used up by your body and your body gets energy from the ATP, it is broken down into something called ADP, adenosine diphosphate instead of adenosine triphosphate. And creatine is able to attach to adenosine diphosphate or ADP, which turns it into ATP, again, which your body can derive more energy from. So this can help you be like a little bit more explosive, maybe squeeze out another rep or two, add a little bit more weight to your lifts, etc. Like this in itself is not going to make you jacked overnight, but consistently being able to do a little bit more adds up, you know, when you, you, when you extrapolate that out months, years down the road. Um, again, there are like, you might notice, um, you look more muscular after taking it because it does pull more water into your muscle cells. And so you look a little bit more full. And another thing to consider there is your chances are you'll see your weight spike up a little bit right around one to 2% of your body weight just due to the muscle hydration effects of creatine. So just something to keep in mind, like if you, you know, if you weigh 150 pounds, you might see the scale jump up by one and a half to three pounds or so, hundred uh, percent normal. So when, when you're supplementing with creatine, taking right around three to five grams of creatine monohydrate, they try to come out with all of these different forms of creatine that are supposedly new and improved, but there's yet to be one come out that is better than the good old fashioned creatine monohydrate. Um, Some of them may have absorption benefits and a little bit easier on your digestive system, but it doesn't seem super clear with research that there's anything that's really better out there um, than creatine monohydrate. So that would be my recommendation, um, three to five grams a day of creatine monohydrate. And there's really no need to do what they call a loading phase where you typically take right around 20 grams of creatine instead of three to five grams, like a normal dose for five to seven days. This is supposedly, you know, it it does, it it works. It helps saturate your muscles a little bit quicker um, than if you were to take three to five grams a day. But I also, the, the skeptical side of me thinks it's kind of like a marketing, not necessarily marketing tactic, but just a way for them, for supplement companies to have you use up creatine a little bit quicker. So you buy more, um, but it can help saturate your muscles a little bit quicker, but that's, you're kind of splitting hairs at that point. So that's number two is creatine. 
number number three on the list we have good old caffeine so while we know like we all know how effective caffeine can be for boosting energy and things like you know mental alertness but it has a lot of evidence supporting its use for strength output you know diminishing training fatigue suppressing hunger and aiding slightly in fat loss so don't think it's like this magic fat burning supplement it it can help slightly with fat loss by suppressing hunger and just increasing your energy expenditure but again it's slight. So before you go off and start slamming your pre-workout or monster or whatever, it's important to remember that you do build up a tolerance to caffeine. So the more that you take, the more that you're going to have to take in the future to get the same effect. So it can kind of be a dangerous cycle. And it's funny because I'm actually, I am noticing this, like, so I, I, I can preach all this stuff, but I'm also a human that can struggle with things like this as well, because I am currently in a fat loss phase. I've been in a fat loss phase for, what has it been? It's been like 14 weeks with two weeks of Um, a break at maintenance. So it's been a a lengthy fat loss phase so far. And I have another six weeks to go for a photo shoot. And I've noticed like before my fat loss phase, I was drinking caffeine pretty sparingly, you know, before leg day, I would maybe slam a little bit of pre-workout, which would be like maybe 100 to 200 milligrams of caffeine. And I still do that. I try not to go over that too much. One reason is uh, caffeine can be a vasorestrictor which means like if you go above a certain threshold, I can't remember off the top of my head. I want to say it's right around 160 milligrams, but I'm sure it depends on um, your body weight, how big you are and stuff. It can restrict your blood vessels and essentially just restrict blood flow a little bit. But um, so that's one reason I don't like, like to go crazy with it. And then I just get way too jittery. I get anxious if I have a lot of caffeine. So anyways, my point is like during this fat loss phase, I have subconsciously increased my caffeine to intake. And it's not necessarily just for the workouts. I still, you know, I'll have like on average one to 200 milligrams of caffeine before each of my workouts each week. Um, But then I've been drinking a little bit more coffee in the mornings as well to get me going. And I've recently been having like a monster in the afternoon. So now like my caffeine intake is up closer to probably three to 400 milligrams a day, which is not crazy high, but that's like, that's pretty high for me. And yeah, just, just know that like the more, the more caffeine you have, the more you're going to have to have in the future, because the benefits that I notice from three to 400 milligrams of caffeine right now is like roughly equivalent to what I was noticing, you know, when I was at one to 200 milligrams. And part of that could be, I've just been in a fat loss phase for a while and energy coming in is lower. So it's naturally just a little bit lower, but Anyways, that's my little little side tangent to be be aware of um, the tolerance that you get, and it, it can also um, minimize. So keeping it keeping keeping your caffeine doses to like right around two hundred milligrams or so for your harder training sessions will minimize. Like if you're out there slamming those four hundred milligram doses of caffeine for your pre-workout like your tolerance is going to build up pretty quickly so i'd aim to keep it a little bit on the lower end to minimize the tolerance you build and make sure that like the negative impacts especially on sleep you're keeping those at bay as well as reducing like the anxiousness or the jitters that a lot of people can get from higher caffeine doses so for their primary goal of just like energy alertness 
suppressing hunger, aiding, again, minorly in fat loss, consuming like right around one to two milligrams per milligrams of caffeine per kilogram of body weight is what the evidence supports right now as an appropriate dose. So in other words, if you're 175 pounds, you would consume you know, roughly 80 to 160 milligrams of caffeine for this um, kind of lighter dose. Now, with the goal of just maximizing your strength output and overall training performance, plus kind of like getting the gumption for like a, a gnarly leg day or something like that, consuming a higher dose of around three to six milligrams per kilogram of body weight before training can be helpful. So I wouldn't recommend, again, doing this more than a couple times a week if you're doing it for every workout it's just easy to start relying on it you start building up a tolerance and it can just turn into kind of a vicious vicious cycle so in this situation are you know if you're 175 pounds this would be 240 to 480 milligrams of caffeine before your workout and that's really just to maximize like your strength output personally i don't notice a huge difference in like my training performance when it comes to like if I have 200 milligrams of caffeine compared to 300 but everyone's um, tolerance is completely different you should assess where you're at I would definitely start on the lower end I would not go and slam you know 500 milligrams of caffeine before your next workout um, and one little thing that I like to do is actually mix in a stimulant version of um, a pre-workout and then a non-stim version so Legion has um, a, a pre-workout supplement pulse and they have like a non-stimulant version and a stimulant one i like to mix those two together because then you get i think it's right around 150 milligrams of caffeine but then you're also getting the other ingredients in there like they're they're the things that help with your pump like your um, l-citrulline i think they have beta alanine in there and, and whatnot if you like getting that itchy tweaking feeling <laughs> um so again yeah i would i, was, I would definitely assess your personal tolerance because everyone just reacts differently to caffeine intake so starting on the lower end of these ranges would definitely be wise before possibly um increasing the dose and then along with assessing your tolerance you definitely need to be mindful of your caffeine intake um, around your sleep schedule in particular so following the guideline of not consuming caffeine at least six hours before bed will reduce the risk of it negatively impacting your sleep which as you know is very or as you should know is very important for maximizing your results in fitness and just like your overall general well-being you definitely you need your sleep so that is everything on caffeine <clears throat> excuse me now the next supplement we have here is a good old multivitamin so the these next two supplements are ones that i see as kind of insurance supplements they're not always going to be beneficial but they can definitely help in just kind of covering your bases for your overall health so in the same way that you know slamming a protein shake once you've already consumed you know like if you're say you're 200 pounds and you have you've already had 200 grams of protein for the day having you know a protein shake that puts you up at 230 grams that's not necessarily going to be beneficial because you've already consumed what i would consider to be an, an adequate amount of protein for your body weight it could depend a little bit on your goal and whatnot and like where you're at with your biofeedback hunger levels etc but just in the same way that like going 
having an excess amount of protein isn't necessarily going to help with building muscle. Having excess micronutrients through like a multivitamin isn't necessarily going to be hashtag healthier, you know. So take that into consideration if you're already having um, or if you're already consuming like a really good balanced diet, you might not need these this this multivitamin because as you know consuming enough micronutrients as you probably know consuming all the micronutrients in your diet is important for your overall health and maximizing your your results but it can definitely be challenging to just always make sure you're getting in the micronutrients and like your your diet is well rounded enough that you're getting in all these nutrients that you should be and this is where multivitamin vitamins can come into play so well, you can kind of make up for missing micronutrients in your diet through taking a multivitamin. It is smart to kind of base your nutrition around whole, you know, nutrient dense foods. So this is like your your fruits, your veggies, legumes, whole grains, lean meats, fish, dairy, etc. Just to make sure you're getting a good amount of these nutrients through actual food um, but again like we're human and we can't always guarantee we have this like optimal diet especially when we're eating you know if we're dieting for fat loss and in a calorie deficit and we just have less food coming in in general it makes it a lot harder so that's where i would definitely make sure you find a good reputable brand um, i personally go with i i like legions supplements a lot um, you can also look at a website called examine.com. It can be a really good way to make sure that the, the supplements that you're using are properly dosed and they have the right um, nutrients and stuff that you need in there, the right ingredients at the right dose. So that is number four. And the last one we have here is omega-3 or fish oil. And again, this is kind of a, an insurance supplement here. So unless you're already consuming plenty of things like fatty fish, egg yolk, grass-fed meat, flaxseed, walnuts, chia seeds, spinach. So there's there's different things, seaweed or algae, which like if you're consuming all those things, that's that's awesome, but that's probably not the case. So unless you are, your chances of being deficient in uh, omega-3 fatty acids, especially something called EPA and DHA, um, is pretty high. So for reference, the recommended daily intake um, of these fatty acids, DHA and EPA, which are the two we're really looking at here, is between 0.3 to 0.5 grams per day. Now this is just the recommended daily intake, and most people get 0.1 to or yeah, 0.1 to 0.2 grams per day. So significantly lower. And again, with that said, the, the recommended daily intake is based on preventing disease and it's not around you know optimizing your health and performance. So most people are coming in well under the minimum recommendation and not even close to the dose of omega-3s that we would want to really optimize health and performance rather than just make sure you know we're, we're preventing disease and stuff. So really to get the most out of it, we want to make sure we have a little bit higher intake because without consuming enough of these omega-3 fatty acids, you might notice things like more fatigue, um, poor cognition, memory, and you're just at a greater risk of cardiovascular disease among some other negative symptoms that I couldn't just name off the top of my head right now. So similarly to multivitamins, <clears throat> you need to make sure that you're 
choosing a good brand that has the right dosage and the, the right quality of supplements. So again, I, I roll with Legion's um, fish oil because they're a very good supplement company. They have like every single ingredient. They have it linked to actual research. So you know, like you're getting the clinically effective dosages. It's not just like random ingredients with random dosages. Um, so that's my personal go-to, but I would always just make sure you look at the dosage of EPA and DHA. Those are the two things that you really want to look at and make sure that you're getting at least uh, one gram of those combined. I would err towards closer to two to four grams personally. That's how much I take. So I take four, four grams, 4,000 milligrams, whatever, of DH, of DHA and EPA combined. Um, so I'd rather play it on the safe side than be underdoing it. So guys, that is a lot of information on supplements. So those are just the five supplements that I personally think are more of the more commonly beneficial for people. Whereas like there's a a million supplements out there that a lot of people are marketing and saying like this supplement's going to be amazing for building muscle or boosting your testosterone. And the reality is a lot of that stuff is just kind of BS to shoot you straight. Um, There are some supplements out there that are good and, and actually backed by research and have some, you know, evidence support them. And these are five of those that I, I, I see most commonly can be beneficial for people. So anyways, guys, I hope that episode was helpful. If it was, as always, just leave a rating and review for the podcast that helps us out a lot so we can reach more people like you. Or if you have any friends or family that would benefit from listening to the show, always feel free to shoot them over a link to an episode that you enjoyed and we would always appreciate that. So hope this episode was helpful, you guys, and I hope you have an awesome rest of your day. Thank you again for tuning in and listening. I really hope you guys enjoyed that episode. And if you did, take a screenshot, share it on your Instagram story, and tag me at Howell underscore fit, and leave the podcast a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions about coaching or need advice on anything training or nutrition related, shoot me an email at the email linked in the description, and I will talk to you guys soon.